Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you have us on assignment. You have us on the highway of holiness. You have called us to higher ground. And I pray that we become those people, those men, women, and youth, and children that are making a difference in our generation. Awaken us out of our stupor and sleep. Allow our roar to be definitive and clear. Allow our cry to put all people on notice of what is happening in our day. There are so many young people that want to know truth, that want to see family, that want to understand manhood and womanhood and marriage and finances. And we, the church, are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Father, I pray that you give us your word this morning, that you bless it, and that it causes us to be transformed. Remove all religious spirit from us, O God, and awaken us out of our passivity and our indifference. That we not be the one that are making up questions, but that we have an answer and are able to competently defend and give an answer for that which we have put our faith in. And I pray, Lord, for increase. I pray for a new building and new land for our church to expand. And we believe that just as you have provided everything to this day, you have a special place that will touch this city and be a beacon on a hill and a place of refuge, O oh God. Be glorified. Be magnified, O oh God. And allow us to serve you with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength that your word would be a good seed this morning, planted in good hearts, that would give forth good fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Luke chapter 13, verse 4, whenever we see catastrophe happens upon the world, certain questions automatically come. I'm, I, I saw this play out as 1.30 in the morning, we have a building collapse, 12-story condominium on probably the nicest place in South Florida. For years, Surfside has been an area that has attracted many people. And in a 12-story condominium called the Chaplain Towers, at 1.30 at night, they begin to tumble and they fall with residents in that building that never even had an opportunity to know what was happening. And here, we need to observe that this is nothing new under the sun. In the times of Jesus, Jesus responds to those, I believe in verse 1, it says there were some present at the very time, there were some present at that season, in that season, that time, some who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, he'd actually went into the temple of some people that were worshiping and killed them and poured their blood in canisters and mixed it for his sacrifices to his gods. That seems like wicked, but it makes Santeria 
and the witchcraft religion looked like child's play as they used chicken and lambs and, and goat's blood. But this is real human blood. But when they're asking him, some told him about these things. And in verse 4, Jesus says, how about those 18 whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Are you, when they're asking him about certain death, he turns around and gives an example of another tragedy and it actually has to do with the collapse of a building. Uh, several years ago, we had the collapse of a bridge that they were building here at the Florida International University and some cars were underneath that bridge that crossed 8th Street. And we, we all ask ourselves the question, that could very well have been me. It could have been me. I could have lost the son. I could have lost my wife. They could have lost me. And so this is happening in an ever-increasing manner. And Jesus deals with it like this. He says, when these 18 fall, the tower fell on them and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Because that's the first thing we think. Man, that's a judgment. These people just, in one second, everything came to an end. Immediately, people look up and say, God, you're not fair, number one. And number two, they begin to pray. Now, a lot of people on Miami Beach this month of gay pride have not been looking up to the heavens and seeking God, and they have not been praying, asking God for mercy and forgiveness. But Jesus immediately says, if you see these things, the mixture of blood by Pilate's sacrifices and the falling and the collapse of a tower of Siloam that falls and kills people, do you think is because God is dealing with sinners? Were these people worse than everybody else that was in town? Verse 5. I tell you no. The response is no. Let's not go to projecting what's happening in other people's lives, but bring it close. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. You, you need to take tragedy and calamity to a personal ownership and say what's happening in my surrounding could very well happen to me. And the suffering that people endure proportionately across the world is not related to sin. It's not because they are awful. When I read the book of Job, the Bible says he was a righteous man. The, his friends thought that all he was suffering was due to having failed God, and it was totally upside down. That was not the case. That book shows us that in this world, the righteous will suffer. And it wasn't a sinner who suffered loss. The surrounding families had not lost their children and their cattle and their possessions and their home. But it was a righteous man whom God was taking through an experience 
experience. Teaching us how to deal with catastrophe. Trying to understand what's happening behind the scenes with God's mighty hand. Asking God to deliver us from calamity and catastrophe and the collapse of a tower. I write these words a couple of days after this collapse. History continues to show that at the end of life does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're a child or if you're an adult or you're an elderly. If you're rich or poor, saint or sinner, native or a tourist. Whether you're a family, a friend or a foe. Time and place happen to all. We must pay close attention to the biblical warning and the mandate to count our days. Because the Bible says they are few. Life is but a mist. When I'm counseling couples, I tell the husband, take care of your wife. She might pass away in three months. And then they look at her and they're like, well, the argument we're having is not as important as what you just told me. Let me cherish and take care of my husband. I might not have him to take care of in a couple of years. So we wake up to the consciousness of living the reality of the moment and make sure we're living consistently with God. I had a friend who was a lawyer here in Miami and he was saving up for his retirement. And I would, I would give him warnings that... It wasn't the future that he had in his hands. That he had to seek God and put God as a priority because he was saving large sums of money until one day he went to the restroom after lunch and he died at the restroom stall. And his friends saw he didn't come back and they went to look for him. He's about 55 years old. He's not supposed to die. He's supposed to come back from the restroom stall. And several hours later, when they went to the restroom to find him, he was gone. He was no longer here upon the earth. And that happens in an instant. It happens in a second. And so to postpone the reality of this moment is so negligent. For the author of life has given... An appointed time, some by natural causes, some by sickness, and some by tragedy. But the reality is that every inhabitant of the earth will be called according to divine appointment by the author of life. Whether today, tomorrow, or next year, we're called to be ready for the moment of our departure. I had one gentleman here at the church years ago. I said, sir, you only have 15 years to live. He was an elderly man and he got upset and left the church. He did not want to face the reality of the time and place where he has to depart from this world. We need to be ready for that time. Let every man, woman, and child purpose to get right before his maker. To repent and confess her sins each moment. We are not promised the next breath. Our prayers continue to be lifted toward this situation in South Florida where family and friends and first responders and those related to this distasteful event are suffering 
in shock and wondering why the sudden collapse. Everyone needs a conversation with you that the next moment is not promised. Everyone needs the conversation with you to receive Christ. We make the best of every moment. We were having breakfast on Thursday morning here in a cafe, and I noticed the owner of this little restaurant that we like to drink coffee at, and he was going back and forth from table to table, and I say, excuse me, sir, the owner, do you have two minutes of your time? Because we have something important we would like to share. And he, he was very cordial. He pulled up a chair and he says, great, what do you guys need? And we begin to share our faith and tell them what God has done. And we were able to share Pastor Medieros and Ceci's testimony, which is a trophy of God's mercy and grace. And he turned around after Pastor Medieros finished and he goes, Mexicano, you're a wicked man. How could you leave your wife? But it followed up by the opportunity to say, what do you do for a living? And he says, well, I own this restaurant, but I used to be part of a musical group and I used to play the piano. He's from Venezuela. And I said, do you know Richie Ray? He goes, oh my God, he's my hero. I said, yes. Put Richie on the phone and the man began to shake and quake. But those few moments led to the opportunity for him to pray with us to receive Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? We're not supposed to wait for tragedy to strike to minister. We must be roaring like lions, marking the territory so that the people could run in the right direction. I had a friend of mine that told me when I was in Colorado Springs, he says, Joaquin, don't forget that in the animal kingdom, when the lion grows old and his teeth fall out, he can't hunt. He's tired, he's grumpy, and he's hungry. But he has no teeth and he has no claws. So what he does is he goes around the prairie and he's on the other side of all these animals that are very delicious. And he roars. And the animals run in the, in the direction right into the young lions that are waiting for them. To find their meal. We need Christians that know how to roar. Meow. We need Christians that have not only a bark, but a bite. We, we need it to be real and authentic. Listen, listen to the definition of authentic. Ready? Authentic is that which is faithful to the original. Are you a real Christian? Or are you a fake? Are you authentic? What's authentic? That you're the real follower of Christ. That you do signs, miracles, and wonders in Jesus' name. That you have good news. 
I tell you the truth, and if you know me, you know this is true. I don't have an off button. I don't have an off button. You're not turning this voice off with respect to showing the path of life, to knowing how when we were at Pastor Joey's and, and Zoe's celebration, we told all the families and friends there, this is not something we grew up with. This is something that is so precious that we found. And it's criminal that if it exists and it's real, that you're not bringing it to your house. That it's not a reality of your children. These two men and women who come to our house, I believe it was Thursday, Thursday night, and we spent two hours with them. They spent 20 years in a Christian church. They're children. And they, the, the daughter's 20, the son is 19, and both of them say, Dad and Mom, thank you, but no thanks. We don't want that which is fake. We don't want that which is religion. How wonderful are the principles in this book? How amazing that God has given us the roadmap to victory, and then when time of application comes, we have built a faulty foundation. They said, why did this building fall? Um, let me see. Hmm. Uh, they didn't build it right. But Psalms 11.3 says, if their foundations are improper, what can the righteous do? So we have young boys here that they got here when they were five. Now they're 25. And they're like, Pastor, I would like to build a family. And I would make sure that I find a woman who's not a Christian, who nobody knows. And we're going to find out whether the building will fall or will it stand. Hey, a man comes in here. He says, Pastor, um, I need a wife and I need her now. I'm old. And I like this girl. I've been looking at that girl. She looks like she might be the one. And now I'm looking at that girl over there. She might be the one. And I go, look, let me, let me help you out. That one in her forehead, it says rebellious. And he goes, no, I don't want that. And I'm like, okay, let's go to the other one. That one over there says foolish. And he goes, Pastor, I don't want none of them. I go, I know, but there's one name, Anita. And if you marry Anita, you'll be the happiest man on the earth. Introduce her to me, please. And so Richard Lopez marries this wonderful woman, and they can't stop having babies. <laughs> but he found a virtuous woman, the value of which far surpasses precious stones. He's going to build right because he wants promise. Faulty foundations. You're a dead man. You're a dead man walking. You're going to suffer like there's no tomorrow. And so many times we see that the wicked don't take heart in these matters. Psalm 73 verse 3, when I saw the arrogant, I became envious. When I saw their prosperity of the wicked, they walk without, verse 4, pains in their death. 
Their bodies are fat and pampered. They're strong, firm. Verse 5, they are not in trouble as other men go through trouble. No, nor are they plagued like other men with problems. Verse 6, therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers their garment. The violence talks about they have no boundaries. They violate territory. Verse 7, their eyes bulge with fatness. They want more and more. Everything their heart desires. The imagination of their minds run wild. Verse 8, they mock and wickedly speak oppression. They speak lofty with malice. Verse 9, they set their mouth against the heavens. They don't talk anything good about God. Their tongue walks through the earth saying that the things of God are useless. And so as he's watching these things, the Bible says that there's a moment where he begins to question whether or not it's worth it. Verse 13, surely in vain I have cleansed my heart and washed my hands in innocence. And he's thinking all manner of twisted, distorted realities. He says in verse 15, if I would have spoken according to what my thoughts were, I would have been untrue to the next generation. Desiring what the ungodly have is huge mistake. And then he says in verse 17, until I came and heard Pastor Joaquin preach. Until I came to the sanctuary of God and now I see right. I understand not what is at the beginning. I understand the latter end of the matter. And that's what has some people confused. They come into this place and they don't understand that we start with eternity in mind first. We're not, we don't have an earthly perspective. We're trashing all earthly experience to have a heavenly reality. And we're speaking words that confound people because they're following the Kardashians. They're trying to figure out what's happening to Brad Pitt. They want to know what Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are doing. And all that is a bunch of rubbish. Not worthy of conversation, not worthy of thought, not worthy of consideration. We have to take our conversation deeper and understand the end of these things. Verse 18, it says, Surely you set the wicked-minded and the immoral on a slippery slope to cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed, verse 19, in one second. In one moment, they are brought down to desolation. They utterly consume with terror. When I saw the Twin Towers fall in New York, I, I always heard in the Bible that people would be covered with ash heap. Ash heap is not a modern terminology, but it's the ashes from the burning flames of things destroyed. And there's a Time Magazine picture of people running out of Manhattan with their fur coats and their diamonds and gold totally buried by the ashes of what took place during 9-11. And so I was saying, I was saying, God, your word is true. What you say in the Bible actually happens. That God requires of us to lay a foundation that will sustain the coming days. And so 
People always question why I yell. I have this thought in mind. If I yell, it'll go further into your brain. Remember Carlos Leon brought his son, and when they left, they said, Dad, why is he so angry? Why does he preach so loud? I feel it'll go deeper into your heart. You'll be listening to me when you sleep at night. But the Bible says to make sure that you build right. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, I, according to the grace of God, which he's given me, have laid a foundation for your life. And as a wise master builder, I want to put everything where it goes. So let each one be careful how he builds. I had the awesome experience to watch Luis Rodriguez build my home. When the fire burned it down, he did the structural drawings. He was a structural engineer. And as he, I said, Louis, you're building a freaking bunker. What are you doing? I don't need a bunker. I just need a home in South Florida. He goes, yeah, but no hurricane is going to knock your house down. And I said, Louis, why don't you care about your family like you care about my house? Why when you're building according to the principles of God's word, there is no bunker. You're building with hay and straw and things that the winds blow away. So people don't like me that much. Because we need to make this authentic, faithful to the original. God wants us to build lives that are indestructible, that, that are sound, that are solid for our children coming days. How, how horrible the devastation of divorce and separation and not having a father at home. And then giving our children the same bitter experience. Because we were no wiser to build better foundations. Yesterday when Natalie and Danny Arcilla got to our house, the older folk were there. And I began to look at their eyes. And in their eyes were, I can't believe I didn't get to do something like this. Can't believe I didn't have the building blueprint. I didn't have the recipe. I didn't have the ingredients to do it the right way to get the right result. I lied to you not that these young people that you saw up here this morning are young people that are paying a costly price of denying themselves. They're crying now, but they will rejoice in the day to come. Absolutely. They'll suffer. You should have seen Jonathan crying at night, hugging his pillow. But now he'll never be alone forever. There won't be a day when there won't be a precious woman at his side. Both of them have chosen well because they chose what a man who fears the Lord chooses. 1 Corinthians 3.11, he says, I'm a wise master builder. No one can lay any other foundation but Jesus. We have that right. We're all Christians. There's no doubt there. But then he says, not only is Jesus important, but he says, be careful how you build on in Jesus. Verse 12, him being the foundation, if anyone builds on Jesus, he must choose if he will build with gold, silver, 
precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. You decide what materials you're building your family and your lives with. And so some people say, whatever. You know, whatever my feelings feel. That Well, how about whatever your pastor feels? That's a little bit above hay. How about the men of God and the women of God in your life? Well, they're not feeling nothing. Exactly. Because you're not walking in the spirit. You don't know that God wants to build a mighty structure for you to enjoy for your coming days and your children. But you, you decide if you build with hay. Hay uh, will last for a couple of days. But straw is a little bit stronger and wood is a little bit stronger. But gold and silver, that's precious. That is something that has value and worth. And so the structure becomes according to what you build. He, he's talking these terms and I, I just want you today to stop building the common and the ordinary and choose the best materials. That which is excellent. So here it is um, before... A young woman is blessed by her father. She says, when I grow up, I want to marry a man. I want to have a man. I, I don't want to be lonely. I want to have a man. And then her father comes over here and he gives her the father's blessing. Father, in Jesus' name, give my daughter the blessing of prayers that are consistent with the reality of God's goodness. And then she says, dad, you don't understand what happened to me last night. I go, what happened? I stopped praying to get married to a man and, and God asked me to pray for a world changer. Not only a man, but a man of God. Not only a man, but a man that knows and serves and loves his maker. And so it's the heart of every dad to have their daughter marry an excellent gentleman. And not a fly-by-night, immature, irresponsible, ignorant gentleman who doesn't know any, he's not going anywhere. You can't help him be a perfect helper because he's not working, doing nothing. He hasn't received his download from God. It's what we do here when you're interested in a young man. We ask the young man, where are you taking our young women? And we would not give our blessing to any woman who doesn't have a man who's sold out to Jesus Christ, that loves God above all things, not by word, but by his life, that his actions show the reality of his confession. So there it is. I want this church to understand that verse 13, each one's work will be clearly shown. The day will reveal it because it will be revealed by a honeymoon in the Bahamas at Atlantis. No, my friend. It's not going to be revealed by that which is good and unforgettable. It's going to be by fire. In the hardship of trials, what you have built will be revealed. And the fire will teach each man's work how he built so I tell men, you better make sure, Danny Arcilla, have you seen Natalie in her worst day? And the family turns away and like, oh, he doesn't want to see that. No, you need to see that. Because that fire is going to come, sir. 
Jonathan, have you seen Lorena when she's hungry? You better watch that, buddy. Because you're going to see some fire rage in that marriage. And so we need to be men and women tried by fire so that each man's work will reveal how he built. We're not in la-la land. If he didn't build right, verse 14, if he built right, he will receive a reward. If he put everything in its right place and, and listened to God and obeyed and suffered and was patient, he gets a reward. He will receive a reward. Verse 15, but if he built wrong, if anyone's work suffers loss, it begins to crumble and collapse, and you say, well, I should have, I could have, I would have, he will be saved, but it will reveal that he went through fire. It will be revealed that there was a whole lot of shaking going on. Verse 16. You are responsible to build like God builds his temple and be spirit-led and not flesh-led. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 We do not want you to be ignorant about these things as those who are asleep. I, I can't believe that we've been here over 23 years and we have taught these things to exhaust them. Some people want, they get nauseous, they hear it so much. But there is intentionality behind how we live so that we not grieve as those who have no hope. When Jesus is saying that we're not asleep as others have fallen asleep, verse 15 for this we say to you in the Lord, we who are alive and remain until the Lord's coming will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord's going to show up in a, moment, in a moment. He's going to catch us up in the air. We will be together with him in the clouds forever. So encourage one another with these words, verse 18 says. Use these words as a reality. One of the things as a pastor of this church I'm a little bit uh, concerned about has to do with, yeah, I want you to have a good marriage. I want you to be able to put it together right, but what do you want? No, 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 pastor, I want that fast track ticket where we don't take marriage classes, where she doesn't have to be virtuous, where nobody knows what's going to happen, and we're all going to sit there and watch this thing collapse. We're going to see this thing unravel, fall apart, and possibly take lives because we are not awake and we're not we're not intentional about these things. We carry, the Latino families carry a lot of curses that we don't even know they're curses. We, we do it in the stead of, of we care, we love, we would give our lives. Uh, yesterday, right before Natalie and Danny left, and I was rejoicing, I was the DJ. I had all the right songs. I called them both over. I said, I want to give you guys a little bit more of blessing. And they're like, oh, no, here it comes. 
In the Latino culture, when a daughter gets married and a son gets married, the son goes over to the parents and says, Mom and Dad, I finally found the girl. And they, they pull her tight and they say, the, the man is introducing the girl to his dad and his mom. And they pull her tight and they says, you're the daughter we always wanted. And so I told them last night, don't let your in-laws say that you're their daughter. Because you already had parents and you were already a faithful daughter in that house. Now you graduated and you're a woman and you're a wife. Whenever your in-laws, I told Natalie, come over and say, hija. You look behind and see who they're talking to because they're not talking to you. Because you've already paid the dues and you paid the price and now you are a woman and the wife of that man. Because in the Latino culture, they say, come here, hija, now you're going to do everything I want you to do and, and you, I, I get to punish you and be mad at you and disrespect you and dishonor you and come in and out of your house because I'm the mom and you're the daughter I always wanted. And so then I turned to Danny. I said, Danny, the orchards are family oriented. And they're going to want to say, you're, we didn't have any biological sons, so you're the son we've always been waiting for. And you turn around and you say, I don't know who you're talking to, but I was already a faithful son under Oscar and Isabel. And they trained me up to be a man and the husband of your daughter. So don't bring me under the Hispanic curse of this is my son or this is my daughter. And it's important that we teach these matters because we have suffered a generation of people who have not, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to this wife and be one. And they're not to be children anymore. They're called men and women, husband and wife, soon to be father and mother. And there will be families that will be a blessing to all the families in the earth. And so while we try to extend the Los lazos del amor, they're a hangman's noose because they're not from the Lord. And we walk in this perpetually. I want to ask you this morning, with what materials are you building your marriage? With what materials are you building your children? With what materials uh, do you build relationships? What's going on with the call of God in your life? Have you abandoned that project? That God wants to build your ministry to impact the nations. How are you building your business? What is the foundation? For, for all I can say is do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And we're fast to do that. We get people who don't believe and we want to make them part of our company. Part of our business. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked. Whatever you do that builds on these things that are not from God the Bible says because you built upon the sand Matthew 7 24 if you listen to these teachings and you follow them you are wise you're like a person who built upon the solid rock though the rains come the torrents and the flood rise and the winds beat that house it's not going to collapse because it's built on the bedrock Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't follow them to obey them is a fool. He's like a person who builds on the sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. 
We're going to cry many tears. We're going to suffer a lot of brokenness. We're going to see things that were supposed to be a blessing come down because we were negligent. We have fallen asleep. We have not built soberly minded. When I was going to get married, I wanted to make sure that I had 10 pastors surrounding my decision to make sure that I wasn't lost in love. That I wasn't in George Smith days and blur during the process. Because it's going to be a nightmare. If we fail to follow God's instruction and adhere to his word and build wisely and competently, when I built my house, I had no idea how to build. I needed Manny's architectural expertise to come and to do the drawings and the design. One day I asked him to remove one of the major posts that was a view to the lake. I would have had an incredible view and I was looking at this thing saying, man, if only I didn't have anything but windows looking to my backyard. And he pulled me over and he says, do you want your house to collapse? Because if you pull that column down, the whole house will fall. So now building is not according to what you like or what you want. It's what you need. You need to build according to the wisdom of God. Even though you don't see it and you don't feel it. Even though it subtracts from your pursuit and desire. God is causing a loud trumpet to blow. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I tell you a, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be transformed in a moment. In a, twinkle of, a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise imperishable, and we shall be changed. I just pray this morning that you have an ear to hear what the Lord is telling the church. I pray that my roar has been loud enough and that your snore ceases. That you awaken out of your stupor and you join me. And I've told the pastors in this church that whenever there's danger around and there is dogs watching the yard, a good dog will bark loud and strong to wake up the owner of the premises, to warn him, and also to alert the thief that he's not welcomed. We need men and women that will roar like lions. We need those who are willing to stand up and, and, and shout what God has said above the fashion, the current, and the sensuality of our day. So Father, we thank you today for this word. And we ask your blessing upon your people. Lord, we want to be lions who roar. That we might awaken those that are around us, our children, our relatives. Some of us have our parents haven't awakened to the reality of Christ. And Father, we want to live lives that are sure and founded upon your truth. We want to be wise master builders and bring in the experts and let them see the materials. And let there not be a faulty foundation of deception. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would be stronger than the spirit of intimidation, of manipulation. 
and that we might build these buildings for your glory that will withstand every trial, every fire, every hardship, O oh God. Father, we pray for Bishop Wellington Boone and Catherine Boone as they go through this transition in this time, Lord, that your hand would not be shortened, that you extend your favor in such a way that we know that you're being intentional and deliberate about every decision and every step in this process, Lord. And Father, allow a special anointing of joy to be upon him above this situation, O oh God, that he might feel the armor of God surrounding him as a hedge of thorns and that no weapon formed against them should prosper, O oh God. Crown them with favor. Lift them up and sustain them. You're the lifter of our countenance, O oh God. And we pray, Father God, for an extra measure of your mercy and grace in this season. Father, allow us to change course if we're going in the wrong direction to the demise of falling off a cliff because we're not sensitive to hear your voice. We pray, Father God, that you have mercy on the coming generations, Lord, that they would not see any more divorce and separation and child outside the marriage covenant. We pray, Father God, for wisdom, for strength, to be courageous and to wake up out of our sleep. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Monday night, tomorrow, 8 o'clock, we shall be here with the men. 8 o'clock, make sure you come. And uh, we're giving thanks to God. Wednesday night, we'll have Bible study again. And we'll have the word of the Lord. God bless you.